Welcome to Indigo Air. Where we have dreams and then uh, we talk about the ideas from the dreams. Oh yeah, that's true. That's actually a good starting point yeah. for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was telling you I woke up in the middle of the night with uh, two words in my head. Tetragrammaton and Dionysus. And I had no association to either of those things. Yeah. Um, but I was like... May is going to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was hard for me at first to find a connection between those two things. And I think we were going to have like a podcast that was like both of those things at the same time. But they don't seem to be interconnected yet. And I think what we decided on was do an episode on on Dionysus and then do an episode on Tetragrammaton. And I think it'll come to us. And that's the thing about, um, about dreams. I think a lot of people can agree that... You know, obviously, for some reason, they don't like to speak just general English to us and tell us what's going on. They, it's always in symbol. It's always quick, small burst. And I'm curious about that anyway, um, in, in light of the idea that the universe is, you know, God at play. So it's almost like we're being played with with our dreams. But it puts us on an adventure, right? It's kind of like the alchemist. The treasure is and at the end. The treasure is the journey itself, you know? Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so we've been bouncing around these ideas. And I think the the connecting point of the Tetragrammaton and Dionysus is this idea of the uh, personification of deeper concepts. This thing is like, okay, so Dionysus seems to start out as an idea, or like like a really dense idea about the, the correct state of being or how chaos and order at their extremes, but still balance, create the greatest version of a, of a being. Where a Tetragrammaton is the same thing. Tetragrammaton, I believe, connects to the idea of I am what that I am, or I am that I think I am, or, or, or the, you know, energy, consciousness. Uh, we can shape this sort of world of ideas, this invisible world, with how we think about things. So if we expect them to happen and put that forth, like the way Jesus teaches us to pray in Gospel of Thomas, those things will be made manifest over time. But then we see a personification of the Tetragrammaton of YHVH into Yahweh, which is sort of like this, I think, like a poltergeist or an egregore. So in that way, the, the, the foundational idea that interconnects these two concepts is that where is the point where these things are deeper conceptual, psychological, philosophical stories of, of meaning to advance oneself into a higher being? Um, when does that transfer into these sort of disjointed, disconnected little G gods Mm-hmm. That basically we think Lord over us. It's almost like our, we're robbed of our power by mm-hmm. losing the truth of what the story actually is. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. Actually, I think that is the connection. It's like uh, Dionysus is like the pathway to the I am, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a story of like how to get there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I should probably introduce like what what Dionysus is begin with because when I heard that word I had no clue like I I had like the notion that maybe I'd heard the word before and like I had an idea that it could be like a mythological little g-god or goddess I thought I didn't even know male or female but uh yeah so it's a Greek half god right what are they called like demigods um Actually, I'm not positive, but I think it would be called like a demigod or a half-god. That's what I refer to as half-god. Yeah, so I don't know. I'll go through, because I did the research on this one, I'll go through parts of the story, and I think we should just like pause and kind of break 
the things down. Yeah. So like there's an overview of Dionysus as this um, kind of homeless vagabond wandering god who's always surrounded by half-naked women and satyrs. And I don't know if you know what a satyr is. Well, I was looking it up before. It's like um, it's like the male version of a nymph, right? Kind of. So then, so the nymph is like this, uh, like peak sexually attractive, feminine, like uh, earth creature. And then the satyr is actually like representative of the folly of man. And the word satire actually comes from the word satyr. And it's like this uh, half human, half goat thing that always has an erection. I don't know if you know that, but it's a per- uh, permanent erection. Really? <laughs> yes. He doesn't get to relieve it ever. They cha- they like to the <laughs> correct. Yes. It's unfortunate. <laughs> but they like to chase around the nymphs and try to seduce oh, them. Oh, they never get it. They almost never get it. Yeah. But sometimes they do. Some very very rarely. Mm, every now and then. Yeah, but the thing about the satyrs is that they love wine and music and dance and sex which is like all of the the things that dionysus kind of like represents yeah exactly he's kind of like this uh casanova almost yeah 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 so son of zeus and what's her name simile simile Anyway. Simile is the woman. Yes, a mortal woman. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, he's just kind of this loose cannon almost, but he also carries, like, a deep wisdom. Yeah. So the story is that Zeus has a wife, Hera, but he's constantly, like, messing around on her. Like, he's cheating on her all the time. Yeah. And Hera knows this, too. It's kind of like a... It's just a thing Mm -hmm. that gods do. So... Zeus sees this princess of, I actually don't remember, Crete or something like that. Anyway, uh, so he sees this princess and she's beautiful and he wants to seduce her. So he takes the form of a mortal because mortals can't look on the gods without something terrible happening to them. So he takes on the form of a mortal man, goes down and seduces this princess and, and impregnates her. And Hera is his wife is particularly jealous of this woman because like for the first time that Zeus is having his affairs, he's actually gone overnight, like a lot of times. Oh, okay. Because he actually loves her. He brought a toothbrush. <laughs> he he yeah. brought a toothbrush. Correct. Yeah, so uh yeah, so he impregnates this princess and uh Hera is feeling jealous. And she comes down, she disguises herself as a princess's handmaid and tells her, I don't think this dude's really a God. I think he's got you tricked. I think he's full of shit. Like tell him to reveal himself to you. And so Simile tells Zeus to show him or to show her his godly form. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that because terrible things happen to mortals who see me in my form, in my godly form. And she says, no, you promised me on the river sticks that you'd do anything I asked of you, which he did. So he showed himself to her mm-hmm. and like immediately the whole castle burns down. She dies at this point. She's like six months pregnant. So she gives like a premature birth to Dionysus um, and she dies in the fire. 
So then Dionysus is like, shit, what do I do with this preemie? Yeah, yeah. Right. And Hermes comes to him and uh, helps him out. And he puts Dionysus in the thigh of Zeus, who carries him to term. So another couple of months. Yeah. And then Hermes helps deliver the demigod. Mm. So he's a twice born figure. Can I? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. So, because I have a lot of thoughts already. Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> so, one, like now that I'm thinking about it, when you receive those two words, Tetragrammaton and Dionysus, um, I think they're interchangeable with the true one God and Jesus. Right? Like, Jesus is Dionysus. It's, it's literally the same character, twice, uh, like, twice born, really, yeah. because he dies and is resurrected into a spirit body, born of a mortal mother, born of a godly father. Yes. Um, and the wine is huge. But, like, the issue is, is that the reason people don't see the connectedness of it is because there's a misinterpretation of the story of water to wine is the miracle in our Bible now because the word wine actually, the word water and wine in Hebrew can mean literal water or wine, but it can also mean the masses. Mm -hmm. So it can be water is the un, the unlearned masses who are mm -hmm. bland. Mm -hmm. And the wine is a masses who have been given the spiritual truth and either react in anger and for in like like ferociousness or ecstasy and love, which is the two reactions you have when you actually drink wine. Yeah. So and Dionysus represents that. When you're drinking the wine, it's chaotic, it's loving, it's uh it's an aphrodisiac, you're dancing, right? And so there's so many connections there. So I think maybe one, that's probably why you may have received it, is because you're actually getting maybe the, the real Trinity. Right? Like that's the, awesome. the correct Trinity Trinity is actually conceptual and, and we've made it physical. <clears throat> well, I think like one re another reason that people don't make that connection is because Dionysus is this, is like like we see Jesus as like this perfect yeah. sinless person, which I don't really think we have any evidence of that that he was sinless, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you think of that. But well, we, I think we have evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we see like you know it's kind of like a like an evil twin version of Jesus, kind of, almost. Yeah, except he also has virtue. So I think Dionysus is actually just a more true telling of that particular story, which is the God-man, the mm -hmm. Ubermensch, is what we're really dealing with here. It's conceptual, like we were saying before, the personification of concepts is the issue here. Look, we're personifying and then making physical, something that's not physical, it's a mental idea. Much like all of the Egyptian gods are actually philosophical concepts, which actually um, bring you, rise you higher to the highest state of being. Mm. And then the Greeks take it and the Romans take it. And at some point we just think they were thinking there was literal gods like this running around and we think they're idiots. In fact, they were much smarter than us. Mm. Another uh, connection too is that, all right, so if you read the gospel of Thomas and all the other um, non-canonical writings of Christ, he mm -hmm. does tons of terrible things. Mm -hmm. Like he killed a man mm -hmm. for like slighting him. He makes another right. man go Jesus. blind. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Kills Jesus man. does that. Yeah. yeah, he goes in the temple and he flips the tables. Right, he cries. He probably laughs, but um, he, he has all these range of human emotions. He's a, yeah. he's a normal human being. It's, in yeah. fact, yeah, and it takes just takes him time to become a great man. What they did was they took out all the backstory, and yeah. so really, Jesus is a Dionysus. If yeah. we read the whole story of Jesus, he probably has many similarities to him. Yeah, it's almost like. Um, it's almost like there's like a concerted effort to make it seem unattainable. Absolutely. I think that's the actual goal is to make it so that we can't attain it because he's an example of what we actually could be. And of right. course, the Vatican trying to maintain political control over the world, essentially, 
um, tells a different narrative and doesn't allow anybody to read the book and mm-hmm. lives off the illiteracy of people. And you get the Gutenberg press, right? And you get people, well, first you get people reading and then they say, oh, well, people aren't allowed to translate the Bible. It has to be us, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Gutenberg press comes out and the, and the game's over, but they make the King James version. And this is where they really change everything so that when we read it, we won't actually get the truth. So we know that they're hiding everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Dionysus and, and the Jesus Christ story are almost the same story. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of like this perfect, sinless being who is made into a blood sacrifice for humanity. Yeah. 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 Dionysus is this kind of like very human being on his quest to the kingdom of heaven. Exactly. So for him, he's his goal in, in the course of his journey is to get into Mount Olympus. Mm, okay. Yeah. So he's he's homeless here. He's is he not allowed there? Yeah. It's like he's not. Yeah. It's like he's homeless. He's not allowed there. He's an illegitimate son yeah, 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 yeah. of Zeus. He's a demigod, and they don't belong. Yeah. With the gods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you know we have uh so we have Hera appearing to simile yeah you know this like it's kind of like uh he's born of this like sin but also this pure love yeah so this like the dark and the light there Mm -hmm. with this mistress hero becomes a snake who or some some form of like deceiving energy yeah appears to the mortal woman to trick her yeah to make her fall Mm mm-hmm which is a lot like the Adam and Eve story. Yeah. And then after Dionysus is born, Zeus wants to protect him. So he gives Dionysus to Simile's sister, Ino. And he says, you know, take my son, dress him as a girl so that my wife won't recognize him. Yeah. Um, but Hera's too smart. She figured it out. She goes to the sister. She makes her go insane. She curses Ino. And Ino's husband, who are raising Dionysus and makes him have dementia. And she's about to do the same to Dionysus, but Zeus steps in and saves him. Mm-hmm. And then Zeus sends him with Hermes. And then Hermes takes Dionysus to the nymphs. Okay. Yeah, so he's like completely, uh, you know, his mother would have wanted him. His, his aunt would have wanted him. But Hera was jealous and she destroyed these things and he's kind of just cast out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Olympus. Yeah, so I have a couple of thoughts here, if you don't mind me. I don't. Okay. So it's really a complicated question. Um, when he's made to dress like a girl, it fits the narrative of the story, but it also has alchemical similarities, the balancing of the masculine and feminine. Mm. And so as they're telling this narrative story, you're, you're listening, you're engaged, but you see it as a fictional story. But what if every single piece of the story is actually a hint to something like the alchemical process of the Philosopher's Stone, the process of Kundalini, rising up and gaining Christ consciousness, because you have to balance those masculine and feminine energies within yourself. And that's just not just be male, female, like on a human level, mm. male and female, like the sun and the earth. The sun is male because it's, it's like a progenitor of life and the earth is female because it receives the seed yeah. right and then it grows life and so so when when zeus um impregnates the mortal woman isn't that a lot like the undifferentiated energy that's impregnating reality 
with it, which manifests matter and energy and which begins yeah. to organize and creates life. So Dionysus in a way is really um, three-dimensional consciousness possibly. Yeah. Well, what's kind of weird too is that uh, Zeus is also impregnated by this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or impregnates <laughs> himself with Hermes, which is the same as both. And that is the messenger of the gods to human beings. Mm -hmm. Like he delivers the wisdom. Mm -hmm. He also delivers Dionysus mm -hmm. from Zeus. Right. Yeah, so this I is all, it. yeah, it's all very metaphorical, you know, metaf metaphorical, but at the same time too, we talk, you'll talk about this in a little bit where Dionysus is sent to, uh, to India mm -hmm. to destroy the old gods, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> to destroy all those various gods. Yeah. And that's where it gets weird because that was actually happening in real life as far as India having a gigantic pantheon. Yeah. So it's like, it starts to feel almost real. Like it's like, is this yeah. guy real in some sense of the word? Or was it a human being kind of like, a, like Nimrod who was an actual king, but then he's connected to this, uh, to this Gilgamesh figure, mm. which is like the, the caricature that lives on beyond Nimrod is like this higher uh, spiritual being. Like, yeah. But they're one and the same. So maybe there was a person that was like Dionysus. Maybe there's yeah. a person that was like Jesus. And, and then we just like, keep telling these stories. Yeah, but we've also created like this concept over them. Exactly. Of what they represent. Yeah, well, and if they're operating at the higher, like the, the divine archetype, yeah. right? Like if any human being actually does that, where it's, yeah. it's going to matriculate through time, we're going to keep using that as the benchmark. We'll say it's almost like every time a man or woman does that, they set the bar higher. Now we look to them as the God yeah. or just the highest being or highest yeah. human. If we're smart and we don't disconnect ourselves from it. Right. Yeah. Like the thing to attain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. He lives with the nymphs and we'll see. Yeah. All he wants to do is be recognized as a God. So he's been basically like, almost exiled from Olympus. He was never there, but he's like, he's not allowed there because of what he is. Yeah. So, and he's been like completely alienated from any family he would know and just cast out into kind of the chaos, kind of these like loose women mm -hmm. almost. And all he wants is to be recognized as a God. So he's like wandering. And then the next part of the story is that he invents wine. Okay. That's a weird, that's a weird turn, right? So he's like, just walking down the road. He sees a snake bite into grapes on the vine, which is a pretty weird thing for a snake to do. Mm -hmm. It's not really their food source. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it inspires him to grab a grape and squeeze it and see that juice is coming from it. And then he invents wine. And now he's going to go and share his invention with the world. Yeah. And so what's interesting here again is um, you have a snake and you have a fruit. Mm -hmm. much like the Garden of Eden story. And when he drinks the wine, that's when he starts accessing all these new experiences of a human being. And you start to see him work with chaos and order. You know what I mean? Like good and evil. Mm -hmm. like, so the story is almost identical. What's, what, that's what's fascinated me as you've been telling me about this character is that it's almost like the, the story of Christ and the story of Genesis, at least the Garden of Eden part of it, are overlaid into one idea which would also make sense if Dionysus is not only a, a a character of Christ but also a character of the mystery of creation which is this idea that there's some sort of force outside of this reality that impregnated it space-time disrupted mm -hmm. space-time mm -hmm. and made manifest reality work to flesh so the snake doing that right it's like the snake did the same thing 
exactly the same thing in Garden of Eden, except he told them how to do it. Yeah. Dionysus just observed the snake. Yeah, doing, he but showed it's the him same, how to do it. Same thing. Yeah. 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 So we know it's metaphor because the snake's not going to eat a grape. It, you know what I mean? Or nor yeah. is it going to be able to get it in one of its teeth and squeeze out. The, it just yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Right? So it definitely is that. And I wonder if the wine is actually the, um, there's different names for it, but essentially DMT, essentially the secretions from the pineal gland. Right. And yeah. I think you'll get into his staff. Well, a that's, bit. well I was going to say, we Perfect. can just talk about it right now. So okay. yeah, that he carries this staff with him with a pine cone on top of it. And it's wrapped in, ivy vines yeah so we were talking about the meaning of that and like obviously the pine cone is the pineal gland and yeah. i got tripped up on the ivy i'm like what is that yeah and you're saying oh yeah it's like the kundalini yeah exactly yeah. yeah and again connecting to the snake we know the caduceus with the two snakes not the one they use with one snake <laughs> now folks that was a lie that's how you know they had that was like they have to tell you you're either lying so the medical symbol now has one snake there's a reason for that but that's another podcast mm-hmm. um yeah so the pine cone is pretty overt and i think it's important for everyone watching at home to understand that there's a pine cone in a religious setting it is the pineal gland it's the only gland that's in the center of the brain that doesn't have a, like a partner it's thought to be the seat of the soul, probably because this is where consciousness arose. It was probably the actual first part of the brain that the very first species that had any sort of conscious awareness. That's that's the first part of the brain they had. And everything is expanded outward, right, until the human being, which has a neocortex. But they thought it was the seat of the soul and where where basically consciousness incarnates. They don't know where thoughts come from, but some people believe that thoughts are actually received because the pineal gland is also an antenna. It's many different things. It's very interesting. But then with the vines, that's another thing. The two snakes represent what the what the Hindus call the Ida and Pingala. And what in traditional Chinese medicine, they call the Ren and the Du. So there's these two major um, energy channels, which I think are directly associated with actual nerves, nerves that go up your spine. And the idea of the coiled snake is um, there's a coiled snake allegedly at, at your root chakra that's that's suppressed until you have your spiritual awakening and then it opens up and it rises up potentially what the masons talk about with the 33 degrees is there's 33 spinal bones and that's probably why christ lived to be 33 years old like it's all it's all it's it's a metaphorical story of you becoming a god man or god woman and um yeah so to me that's that's really something you have to understand is the pine, pine cone is an overt reference to the pineal gland because pine cone and the pine word in greek they're interrelated completely. Like the Greeks call it that specifically, this is the pine cone in your brain. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. So that also, like I'm thinking about the next part of this because this this part has been kind of like, I've been asking myself why. So he, so Dionysus is known to be accompanied by menads, which are apparent, apparently just raving mad women that have just like, They've seen him, they've drank his wine or something, they've mm-hmm. fallen under this spell, yeah. and they've just gone mad with like all these kind of uh, physical pleasures of the yeah, world, yeah, like yeah. dancing and music, and yeah, just having fun, following around their new, their new god, basically. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the other thing is I was looking into the Menads, and they are characterized as... Uh, dressing in fawn skins, which I didn't go over with you. Okay. But they're also carrying that same staff with the 
pine cone and they wear ivy wreaths as crowns. Is there vines on their staff? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then they're either holding or wearing snakes. And the last thing is that they sometimes wear symbolism of bulls, which are apparently also uh, associated with Dionysus. But I don't, I don't know the connection to the bulls yet, although yeah. maybe you know something about bulls in general. Um, the only idea I would go with was one of the Holy Grail as being a cup that is filled with, you know, whatever magic, panacea, medicine, possibly wine in a metaphorical sense. Also, just like with the Tao or the Tao, this idea of the bowl, which is you. And when it's full, you can't take anything on. And when, when you empty it, that's sort of that, that, that sort of ecstatic state of, of just like being who you are without all of the knowledge and all of the things that have happened to you where like bearing down on you without you being the true true person but that was that's the only estimates i could make on it mm -hmm. maybe connected somehow maybe but well i'm i'm sitting here i'm listening to you and i'm like does he know i'm saying bull like the animal or do you think oh, i'm saying said a bull? bull that's why okay. i'm la that's why my face is doing that the bull is interesting okay yeah. so Okay. We were watching Doom. Yeah. And I didn't really go into big detail on this. This yeah. will segue a little bit. So okay. stop if I go too much. Yeah, but totally. this idea of the bull. So another spoiler alert for Doom. Um, mm -hmm. The grandfather of the main character, Paul Atreides, his, he, was a, he liked to do bullfighting. And so he dies bullfighting. What's interesting about this is you'll see over and over again in the movie that they show the bull. Over and over again, they show the grandfather. And they, and they do it in a way which is it's an omen for something that happens in the movie. What's really interesting about this is the bull is has is, is uh, closely tied to these ideas of Moloch um, oh, and yeah. and like human sacrifice, right? And they had the bull with the giant bull, interesting, right? Um, that was made of bronze, and they'd heat the bronze up, and they'd literally, you know, melt human beings, small human beings. Gross. And um, that's also connected to Yahweh because Yahweh like the smell of that. That's why Yahweh's bad guys, but they're on Yahweh. Make it a hashtag. So. It's interesting because Dionysus is connected a little bit to human sacrifice too. And my question, I guess, becomes, is the bull a representative of adversary, right? In a general sense, because another thing we talked about, we might touch on it here, is that it seems like not only the issue with all of our stories now in a modern interpretation is we've gone from the important conceptual message of the story to a personification, but then that personification begins to take on these ideas of blood sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Then within civilization to take on those ideas, they start doing actual literal blood sacrifice, mm -hmm. thinking they're feeding mm -hmm. the gods, and then all those civilizations fall, mm -hmm. right? After a while, it corrupts and perverts them. Mm -hmm. And I think the whole line seems to be connected, and the bull is a lot more important. Um, than we realized. There was also the, the way we're in the, the age of the fish, Pisces, mm -hmm. there was an age of the bull, which interestingly enough, at the same time, is the, when the age of the bull came in, or is the age of the cattle, something like that, um, Taurus maybe, maybe it was Taurus. That is when the agricultural revolution happened mm -hmm. and we started literally using cattle, not only to, to sow the land, but also to produce meat and milk. And so, and they say that every time there's an age, actually we, 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 um, make manifest that that star sign in the actual like um, foundations of the culture or where yeah. we're at in civilization. Yeah. So the bull might also be connected to, he's the epitome at the end of the age of the bull that moves into Pisces, mm. possibly. That could be. Yeah. 
also we are coming out of the age of Pisces mm -hmm. into the age of Aquarius, yes. into my age. Yeah, so you'll be running things, I assume. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, just remember me, you know? <laughs> so, like, I'm thinking it's interesting that it's, like, fawn skins that they're wearing, too. These mean ads that follow Dionysus around. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, like, not just, not just deer skin, like the babies. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so a baby had to be, you know, killed. Very interesting. How close is that? And when you're reading the story, how close is that to the bull? Um, so the bull isn't like, the bull is kind of like a side thing. We never talk about it, but it's just like Dionysus has this sound that he makes. It's like the sound of the bull and it lets people know that he's coming, which is weird. Hmm. Yeah. More, maybe more research to be done on this because I didn't have yeah. time to like dig into that part of it. Mm -hmm. Could have made time. Didn't make time. <laughs> it's all right. You've already learned quite a bit. The bull could also just represent when a bull's coming at you. It's intense. It's scary. When Dionysus is coming at you, yeah. Whether it's a concept or a god man, all these people go crazy when they get there. Yeah. So it's almost like a, an extreme urgency, which causes psychological collapse. Mm -hmm. Which that that's what the bull represents. Mm. So um, yeah, like speaking of. Dionysus like making a sound to let people know he's coming. That's like the next part of the story is he goes to Egypt and he meets the king there, Proteus, and he introduces wine. He's like well received there, like no issues. Yeah. Then after that he goes to Thrace and his reputation has preceded him. Mm -hmm. And he, he has like this terrible reputation for just like making women go like completely insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the king of Thrace, Lycurgus, hates Dionysus, and this is the first time that he encounters someone that's, like, not happy to see him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably the first time the king encounters someone that makes him feel like he's being rivaled by another alpha. Yeah, that is that is probably true. I don't think Dionysus really understood that, probably. Dionysus doesn't really matter. Yeah, he's totally a sigma. Doesn't, yeah, okay. <laughs> sigma male, got yeah. you. So Lycurgus has all these menads arrested. He has the women following Dionysus arrested. He's like, lock them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he tries to hunt down Dionysus, who runs away. He doesn't know what to do. He's never had anything like this happen to him before. Yeah. And uh, while he's running, he comes up to this cliff, and he's looking over the edge into the ocean, but he doesn't know where to go. Like, he's being hunted down. So he just dives in, like, probably going to die, probably going to drown just throws himself in the ocean mm -hmm. and starts to sink. But he's got this connection with the nymphs and one of the nymph goddesses, Thetis, comes in, she's an ocean nymph, sea nymph, and she comes in and saves him. Yeah. And then his, he's like really upset about what just happened and his grandmother comes to the rescue, kinda. Yeah, his so, uh, earthly grandmother. Yes. Yeah. And she, what does she do? Oh, yeah. Okay, so she gets the women out of jail. Yeah. She rescues the women, and then she curses the king, and she makes him go mad. And he turns around and, like, chops up his own son with an axe. Because he lost his mind? <laughs> yes. Don't fuck with grandma. There's a moral of the story. The whole Dionysus story, don't fuck with grandma. That part of it's really weird to me. Like, why is that in there? Why does, yeah. why does, the, why does the king get cursed? And why is the result of that that he kills his own son? Destroying lineage. Mm. Right. So then his his legacy can't live on. 
fuck you in your DNA. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, almost like a self-sabotage, self-destructing of the kingdom. Because mm-hmm. now at this point, you'll get into it more as he starts, his, his basically his patriarchy starts to get challenged. Mm-hmm. And it topples because of the chaos, which is feminine. Mm-hmm. In order is more masculine, not from an actual human male and female. But just the ideas are, are, are um, chaos tends to be more fe- feminine and, and, and order tends to be more masculine. Yeah. So I know I blurred these stories a little bit when I was telling you before. This one is a separate instance. So this is like the first battle with some other power, some, oh, okay. uh, some masculine power. So Oh, there, there, there's a different king that, okay. Yeah, so. Sorry, folks. <laughs> okay, so grandma comes to the rescue, mm-hmm. curses Lycurgus, and then Dionysus is like, I want my own revenge. And he curses the soil of the whole country thrice makes it completely barren he's like you're not getting any crops while this king's in charge yeah yeah. the land will give you no fruits while Mm -hmm. this man's in charge yeah yeah and then the people are like we don't need him they tie each of his limbs to separate horses so four horses which i think is interesting yeah and the horses, like four horses of the apocalypse, almost. Yeah. Yeah, and the four horses run in different directions and just tear this man apart. And literally. They tap on the shoulder and say nothing personal. We need bread. <laughs> yeah. They, I like the feeling I got was they were just like fuck this guy. Yeah, we yeah. hate him. We hate him anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was more like sorry, guys. Charge to the game. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this whole thing together. Like, okay, he comes in, this king doesn't like him. And he's like, well, shit, maybe I'll just throw myself into the abyss. Yeah. So he's like down at this really low point. Maybe I even die down here. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But there's something that lifts him back up. And then he comes in, has his revenge, and destroys the opposition. Like, literally tears apart this opposition. Yeah, so I actually have ideas. Go. Um... For me, like as a man living in modern times who is a bit uh, counterculture and I don't like the system Um, almost intrinsically because I think it's a false system that's overlaid over whatever the human system is supposed to be. Uh, As growing up, I've had this story play out multiple times in my life, whether it's a boss, whether it's the system itself, the legal system, political system, cultural system, you you're kind of naive, right? But you mm-hmm. have the spirit of the true God, like like what mm-hmm. life's supposed to be like. And you try to carry that into the world and you're just having fun. You're like, mm-hmm. this is supposed to be fun, this whole living reality thing. Yeah. And you hit that wall of a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You hit that, that wall of condensed, explicit power centralized into a tyrant mm-hmm. or a dictator. Mm-hmm. Like I said, whether it be at work, politics, just the cultural system that they have, you know. And then because of that, you're chased down. You're beat up. You're brutalized. You're you're socially conditioned by your peers to fucking behave yourself. You know because everyone really knows deep down inside. I think that whatever system we're living in, not to be too pessimistic, is kind of a prison system, yeah. right? And so every now and then, when you try to push on the walls and fucking don't do that, what are you doing? So you're getting bullied all the time. And every now and then, the warden comes down to whip your ass, right? Yeah. That's what it feels like. Is that Dionysus is just yeah. probably living in the like the extreme case for total divinity, chaos and order, Mm -hmm. well-balanced, just having fucking fun. And the reason these women love him is not because he's stealing them. Mm -hmm. It's because his, because 
because his presentation as a being is overwhelmingly beautiful mm-hmm. and there's there, there there is no ability to resist someone who is who is operating so divinely mm-hmm. probably masculine and feminine perfectly balanced of course the ladies are going to love him and so what he's doing is just being the like being a sigma like being a super sigma and not worrying about order and where he is but he's just not because he's not spending any time worrying he's automatically the most attractive person in the mm-hmm. room because he already knows like you know all the other guys are probably like who the fuck is this guy he walks in those yeah. those guys aren't even on his radar yeah. and women are going to identify that as oh he's the boss yeah exactly and he's the only one not trying to be right yeah. so when he gets chased down he jumps into the abyss that's also happened to me tons of times and one time it was when i took ayahuasca and i met the mother gaia and those nymphs one interpretation is they're children they're daughters of zeus but they're also born of gaia mm-hmm. the mother earth or possibly the high goddess yeah and I, yeah i like that explanation the daughters of gaia yeah so when he meets with them what he's what's really happening is you're meeting with the mother wisdom mm-hmm. right because he's already had his father's protection right yes. zeus is looking after him yeah then he gets his mother's care yeah. which is what he was missing because his mother died. Yeah. And so what happens here is as he's being a patriarchal, hierarchical, like tyrannical force, pushes him down, kind of getting beat up by the guy. Mm-hmm. Mom's there to hold him and mm-hmm. say, okay, listen, so this is what you're missing. Yeah. This is what you need. And he has all these women adoring him, but it's kind of, it's it's a surface level, right? It's kind of a shallow love, nothing against them. It's just, they haven't got to even know him yet. He's just so yeah. like badass in the toga. Yeah, it's just what he he's represents. Got wine spilling love. all over him. Yeah, you know the ladies yeah. love him because he's a great yeah. dancer or whatever. But it's <laughs> not like a depth, under a, a deep understanding of who he is and appreciation yeah. for him. So he sort of, I think he gets that in the abyss, and that's usually what happens: is you throw yourself in the chaotic abyss, yeah. which is feminine, and it's scary at first. But he jumps off; he doesn't die. Mm-hmm. But like Terrence once said. I think we'll find if we jump into the abyss, we'll land on a feathery bed. Yeah. And I think that's true. And that feathery bed is like the feminine. Yeah. Right. So that's my interpretation. And I think men, especially in modern times, go through that over and over and over again. And they come back out with spiritual truth, able to navigate a little better to destroy those systems. Yeah. Yeah, That's my interpretation. And just for those listening, anytime May says Terrence, He's talking about Terrence McKenna. Sorry, guys. I didn't realize I didn't say McKenna. Yeah, Terrence is the best. There's only one Terrence anyway, right? And Terrence Howard. He's quite an interesting individual. Only two. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just the the last thing that I want to add on to what you were saying mm-hmm. is that he jumps into this abyss. And the water, like I'm seeing it as like this cosmic womb. It's like he's he's like being birthed again from mm. this experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're and you're inside water in the uterus as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. So next part of the Dionysus journey mm-hmm. is Zeus comes to him and says, "Hey, listen, they're doing some fucked up shit in India. They're making all these false gods, and what I want you to do is go there and destroy the people for having false gods." So he's ordered to kill human beings. Yeah, he was like, destroy the yeah, he was like, go fuck him up. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, Dionysus agrees, but he's like, okay, under one condition that I'm granted access to Olympus because he wants to be recognized as a god. He wants back into Olympus, mm-hmm. which I'm seeing as like the kingdom of heaven. Yep. Uh, so he's like, you know, we have a deal. And then he goes into India and he doesn't have to hurt 
anybody. He just does his thing. He just goes in where he, like the way he does everything else where he's just like, we're going to have a bonfire. We're going to have a lot of crazy sex and drink wine and uh, play music. And uh, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. And he wins the people over that really? way. And do they become monotheistic or are they just dispose of their old gods? All I know is that it was considered successful. So my guess is that Zeus consolidates his power. Yes. Yeah. So he does fuck them up <laughs> just in a different way with wine instead of fire. Yeah. He transforms the place the way that Zeus wanted it transformed, but without all the violence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. There's a lot of great jokes there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's fascinating to me because obviously the Hindu, um, what is it called, uh, pantheon is uh, quite extensive. Yeah. And there, there's this idea that every single god of the pantheon is actually an egregore, mm-hmm. which actually has um, is part of like basically like in the, in the invisible world. We'll touch on the invisible world a little bit but not go too deep. There's this idea that there is an invisible world, which some people call 5D. Um, some people just call the invisible world. Some people call the metaphysical, supernatural. Um, the, uh, the Muslims call the, the place between this world and the next one the uh, the uh, the edge of fire. Which, is, if you think about it, the visible light spectrum from red to red to violet on the outside of that is the things we can't see. So mm-hmm. there's this idea that um, uh, we can think and then create in that world. And it's actually substantial that when we have a thought, that thought actually has a radiation. Uh, they've talked about quantum lightning now, this idea that when you think something, you can actually become quantum entangled to places outside of your actual physical body and actually shift the way these uh, subatomic particles actually move. And so I think there's gonna be a lot of more evidence coming out that when we think we actually create, so when you think that's what the, the Buddhists and the Hindus will tell you is that they made these gods to actually, they put them literally in the sky to create order on the planet. And so it's interesting that maybe Zeus is like literally the high God in the story. And he realizes that the people have taken his power, his creative force from the fundamental and then like, gave it to all these different types of gods actually weakening his power and giving more power to these these unclean right these human built archetypal uh, little g god forces and he wants to get rid of all that and give order back to himself that's what it seems like to me yeah yeah that's i agree with you but i also had a thought where you're talking uh the edge of fire yeah like that phrase just like set something off for me because uh, in the gospel of Thomas, Jesus says, if you're close to me, you're close to the fire. But if you're far from me, you're far from the kingdom of heaven. Oh, wow. So he basically says the fire and the kingdom of heaven are either one and the same or exist in the exact same spot. You like that? Wow. Yeah. yeah, That connects absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) And I've had experiences where, you know, I knew I was in the kingdom of heaven. It was just momentarily. It was like, you're still in the same place. You still see the same reality. And it's hard to explain, mm-hmm. but it feels like you're actually still in a completely new and alien place. And it's a state of mind. It's mm-hmm. like, you're carefree. Mm-hmm. There's nothing bothering you. You have complete reverence and gratitude and faith and love in whatever God is. And all of a sudden the world is a completely different place. It's almost like yeah. the, the, um, the, uh, yeah. how to explain this the cultural context of objects and ideas 
all of the negativity or even just Babylon system, the whole thing together, detaches from objects. Mm -hmm. So this is no longer a mug that uh, was invented in X time and used by these people. It's just this thing that it's just its appearance mm -hmm. in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you might, you know, if you're a Democrat, you go through one of this, you, you see Republican signs, it won't bother you at all in that moment because you're just seeing it as a natural yeah. um, a phenomenon that is just occurring as a result of, you know, the, the momentum of time. Yeah. Yeah. It just is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think uh, we were talking earlier today about like uh, both of us were feeling like really floaty, like and detached and really peaceful and yeah. like, like, uh, yeah, just like totally at peace. Like mm -hmm. a couple months ago, that's, that was the kingdom of heaven feeling I had exactly. just like, complete peace for everywhere I'd been in my life yeah. and everything that was around me mm -hmm. and just this deep joy, like yeah. just. Yeah. Heaven's already here. Yeah. It's got to open our eyes to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then, okay. I guess we've solved all the world's problems. Uh, this will be the last podcast we have. Or if you want to go on. They're, they, on. they're over. <laughs> yeah, just, just keep watching this on replay until you figure it out. Okay. Okay. So the last one. <laughs> okay. The last part of the story is when Dionysus or the last part that I got to because I don't I don't know much more than this is uh, Dionysus returns to the place where he was born the place where his mother is from Thebes or I guess the place he was born the first time to fuck it up again yeah mm -hmm. yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's a king in charge there when he gets there of course and he's in trouble <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they seem to always be in trouble. Anywhere anyone goes, if there's a guy around Dionysus, he's fine. Oh no! Well, like the king of Egypt was like, "Thanks for the wine." And oh, he that's was, right. He, he was, was like smart. A, he was like a total bro. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like nothing, nothing bad on Egypt. Yeah. And okay. didn't mess Egypt up. They're pretty smart. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, King Pentheus, and he represents order and structure. Mm, yeah. And control in my mind yeah yeah so he's another he's another figure like like Hergus that sees Dionysus as a threat mm -hmm. um so Dionysus comes in and he starts telling the people of Thebes his birth story he's like oh yeah I'm from here my mother you know I'm like half god or whatever it's not a big deal exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> he's like you know my father is Zeus <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what a selling point, the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, what's interesting is his mother's sisters also live there still. Mm -hmm. And they hear him telling this story and they call him a liar. And they, like, sell, they completely, like, start talking shit about their own sister. Okay, so the ants are like, they're just completely, like, talking shit about their dead sister. They're like, yeah, we're pretty sure she lied about uh, seducing Zeus, and that's why he killed her. It's a punishment. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So it's like, they're like, fuck the memory of our sister. She pissed off Zeus, and he came down and killed her because she was lying about seducing a god. And Total Dion Karen energy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, like, this Dionysus guy is a fucking liar, too. Mm -hmm. So he gets chased out of the town. They throw rocks at him and they also shoot arrows at him oh, and, wow. yeah and he flees to like the closest mountain and he gets there and he's like pissed mm -hmm. 
and he's like plotting revenge. Like he's yeah. already oh, so so he got a taste for it last time. He's like, this oh yeah, is fun. yeah. he skipped straight. To, he like bypassed going to grandma. He doesn't go jump in the pool again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, no, I got this this time. I'm just gonna fuck him up. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, all right, well that sucked. I'm gonna have a bonfire. So he, he has his bonfire. He dances, I guess, with the satyrs, and he gets in like. In the right headspace, right? This would make a great movie, by the way, like in a modern version of it. Anyway. And he goes back down to to the city or the kingdom or whatever, mm-hmm. and he just takes all the women. He just takes them. He just, like, basically enchants them the way that he does with women everywhere. So he's, he gets all of their wives and their daughters or whatever, and they all follow him back up to the mountain, and they're just having, like, a crazy sex party up there. Like, that's that's the thing. Um, and then he disguises himself as a priest and goes back down to the king. <laughs> like, this is really messed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Way too to the climax. <laughs> yeah, so he goes back down. He disguises himself as a holy man, which, I mean, he kind of is. But yeah. He disguises himself as a priest. He goes to the king and he says, you know what you need to do? You need to dress up like a woman and go up there and rescue your women. So he has him like let his hair down and like darken his eyelashes and stuff and like really pretty himself up and like put on women's clothing. Yeah. And he takes him back up the mountain and then Dionysus tells him, hey, we're just gonna put you in a tree here so you can watch for a while and then you can jump in. He doesn't even get that far. The women see him, they know he's an imposter. They don't recognize him though. They just know he's a man and they literally tear him apart, literally tear him apart. And then his own mother doesn't recognize him. She just knows it's a man. She's in this Dionysus frenzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she cuts his head off, puts nice. it on a stake, and is just per- parading him around. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Wow. And then there's one more funny part. Dionysus then is, does something. Is, yeah. it, is, it, is there another funny part? Well, for me, it's funny, and I'll explain afterwards, but when Dionysus comes to the women when they come oh, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like so Dionysus dips out, he goes back down to the to the kingdom. <laughs> he waits for the women to regain their sanity and return to their town. And he just tells them, This is what you really are. You need to embrace this part of yourself. Like you need to embrace the darkness because it's a part of you. And then you'll have freedom. Yeah. And yeah, and he basically says you guys are out of control, right? <laughs> basically, like yeah. you have this darkness, but you better like figure out how to well, yeah, like, integrate it. Yeah, it's like he was approaching them about like the nature of the kingdom before, which was like all order and the women stay in the house and they did housework. Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. room for immorality at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, which is basically just saying we're just going to ignore the parts of ourselves that want to do this because. He wouldn't have been able to take the women if that didn't already exist within them. Exactly. So he tells them to temper the rational world with the unknown, basically to embrace the order and the chaos together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so what's funny to me about when he becomes a priest and has his king come up, it's like he's got this whole like devilish plan or whatever, but I don't think 
he understands the level it's going to go to. So he's like chilling by a tree and he's like, yeah, they're going to get him. And they're going to like, you know, rip the clothes off and embarrass him. And they start counting. He's like, oh, shit. Right? Because <laughs> when he gets to there, it's like, yo, that was cool and all, but y'all got to calm down. But he set the whole thing up. And he's like, I was like, y'all took it too far. It's like, no, you took it too far. You, you got these people drunk and mad and then brought a dude when there's never been a dude and he gets murdered and you tell them, it's like, oh, y'all need to calm down. But as a metaphorical, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, He's just like, look what you've done. Yeah, that was dope and all, but like a little crazy, right? You know? <laughs> anyway. This is like terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he blames up. He's like, yo, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Uh, he's the god. And he's like, he's like the father waiting in the living room for his like child to come back from a wild night out. Like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Sitting there in the dark. Except he bought all the beer for the place and like funded the whole thing and then he's gonna give the kid a hard time yeah he got his kid drunk um yeah so that's i mean as a literal story that's hilarious right but as a metaphorical yeah so here's a couple things uh, a couple thoughts i have on it this is where we get to the scary territory um one thing is this idea of the patriarchy right so this last story is even more about this idea of Hard order, too much over, uh, order, order mm -hmm. overextended, mm -hmm. um, order uh, invasive, right? We see this with the Nazi regime. We see this with the Stalinist regime, the Mao regime, like any of those types of like regimes that go too far because it was too much chaos before. So they overcompensated out of fear or whatever. And then you have these people who are oppressed. If you oppress a person for a day, right? Um, you're, you compound that emotion, but if you unoppress them, they'll probably the next day, maybe they'll have a good cry. Maybe they'll just like, you need to go for a run, right? If you oppress people over a lifetime, over generations, that hatred builds and builds and builds. So I think the woman tearing that king apart is actually a metaphor for when you oppress a people with too much order over time, it's like pushing a spring down more and more and more. Mm -hmm. When you eventually, it has to spring back. It doesn't, it doesn't just return to normal state. It's going to spring back. Like, and, yeah. equal, like the pendulum swing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It has to go all the way to the other side, right? So that's what, that's the message there is that um, uh, when you try to enforce too much order, nature will eventually bite back. And what Dionysus or Dionysus tries to tell um, these women is that, okay, don't do the opposite thing, opposite version of what he just did. Mm -hmm. Don't now create too much chaos like you were oppressed, which basically mm -hmm. oppressed your actual desires yeah. and, and for freedom, for sexual liberation, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now don't fucking go walling out because mm -hmm. daddy wouldn't let you leave the house until you left the house completely and yeah. did your own thing. Yeah. And there's the, the other scary part about that is this question of really of intimacy, monogamy, these types of things, and, and what it means to be a human being and attraction, right? Because there's the sexual aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that translates over all human experience but yeah for it's for women it's almost like we've created a system for a very long time that has imprisoned women culturally um against their own biology mm -hmm. right so we don't know especially women maybe a, a, to a lesser extent men but even more so women because i mean even if you look now it's like saudi arabia places like that they're still doing a lot of that stuff where it's like we don't even know what the women are like as an actual being because they're enforced in so many different ways in how they live their life. And so I think maybe this was also a treatise, maybe even back then, uh, of Greek thought where it's like, no, we're, we're a little tough on them. There was a better system before that was more natural. And, and like, and if you think about like nomadic 
situations. There's lots of matriarchies. Mm-hmm. Like the woman at the top was had uh, implicit power. Mm-hmm. So it's like she had forceful physical power, but she was revered as the wise one who yeah. would say all the right things, you know, and, and know the wisdom of how to carry on with the community. Yeah. Yeah. One more thought. And then, yeah. And so, for instance, women are usually make most of the purchasing choices in the house. Mm-hmm. They both, they usually are in charge of how the house looks. And so think of the house as the actual kingdom. And you know what I mean? And men are, are more likely to work more hours, work harder, mm-hmm. bring more mm-hmm. finances in. But once the finances come in, the women make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. And see, that's where I think there's a big difference with this king, for instance, mm-hmm. he's trying to control both aspects. He's trying mm-hmm. to control, control what happens in the house, keeping her in the house, right? So that's where he loses his balance, where the, there has to be a, an equal balance mm-hmm. there. That's what we've lost. And I think maybe that's what the story is trying to integrate into there. Well, yeah, there's like this, um, there's like, I'm seeing, I'm thinking obviously of divine masculine, divine feminine. Yeah, yeah. But both of these things, the king with with too much force and the women with too much chaos, yeah, too much destructive energy, that's like the, the lower self forms of the mm. masculine and feminine. Yeah. So the masculine is completely overbearing, tyrannical, too structured, too ordered, very oppressive. And then the feminine is like a divine feminine would be something where it's very flowing and easy and it finds kind of the path of least resistance and it's able to receive. Yeah. But when it's distorted, it's just completely destructive. Hyper promiscuous, um, not really, you know, vetting, uh, maybe sexual experiences on one level, the violence coming out, obviously when they actually literally rip apart the king. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think there's like a violence aspect, because I was thinking of this too. I think there's a violence aspect to both the lower masculine and the lower feminine. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so well, he's committing like violence every single day then, that he oppresses yeah. them, which builds up. And then they have that one violent outburst. Yeah. Which so, kills them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like this, there's this oppressive order versus this divine order mm-hmm. and then there's this uh, there's this destructive chaos and there's this divine chaos oh, yeah, like a liberation mm-hmm. kind of like force yeah it's just like an unknown yeah. you wouldn't call it chaos at that point you would just call it the unknown right yeah 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 something for something to marry with the with the order yeah in order for like growth and expansion and dionysus at the heart of all of it shows extreme being in a balanced form mm-hmm. like so he takes it to the highest limits of divinity and expression in an overall sense still balanced though so it's almost like he's like i can go three thousand miles an hour hour mm-hmm. because i'm making sure it's all balanced you're going like 50 or 60 and you're fucking got the wheel all over the road kind of thing because mm-hmm. you're not understanding that some of what he's doing is good and he's yeah. not understanding that some of what you're doing is good mm-hmm. yeah yeah so the last part of the story is where Dionysus meets his his love, right? Great way to end the story. <laughs> Always. So Ariadne or Ariadne? I'm not sure. It's a really beautiful name, though. It is. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, so she's the princess of Crete, which I don't know what Crete is, but I'll pretend think, like I do. I think Crete might be the island capital, potentially, of one of the. Uh, pre-Hellenistic Greek 
empires i'm not sure totally Don't quote me. totally yeah, yeah. yeah you got it nailed it yeah okay perfect there you go that's really nice <laughs> yeah so he finds her when she's in the state of like her her lover just left her mm-hmm. so he sees her she's beautiful but she's also sad she's like got this element of melancholy to her and he loves her he loves her for for i don't know the beauty and the sadness which mm-hmm. i think is interesting yeah um and he's now got access to Olympus and he takes this mortal, this human to Olympus. Nice. <laughs> and he marries her in front of the gods in the kingdom. Wow. So he does what Zeus did the right way. Yeah. But, and it's the first time it's been done. No God has married a mortal, much less in Olympus. That's really dope. Yeah. That's like the most romantic guy on the planet. Yeah, for sure. Half God. Yeah. Half guy. Yeah. That's it. It's that's the story. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's really cool because it's like, um, for one, it's redemption. It's a redemption for the gods. Yeah. Because what Zeus is doing is just, you know, swinging his <laughs> godly guy around, uh, just impregnating anybody and just sleeping around. And he's still, but, but that folly, I guess, makes manifest a son, kind of like Osiris and Horus. So I almost see more Zeus, the people say that, uh, that Dionysus is Osiris, but I would say more Dionysus is Horus because Horus is the kid that basically rescues his father's legacy mm. um, because his father had a blind eye. Mm. And Zeus has many blind eyes, right? He, he's continually fucking up, right? Mm. Where Dionysus isn't. Dionysus is just naive. But once he knows the truth, he does the right thing, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating, right? So he's actually become better man, better God yeah. than Zeus, right? And then to, make, to, to top it all off, he doesn't just take out a concubine, you know, and because, and, and you know, Zeus loves this simile, mm-hmm. but he still doesn't do the right thing for her, right? It, it's still incorrect the way he does it. For yeah. Dionysus is like, he, he builds on the wisdom he gets from his father's mistakes and, and, and is a great man. I mean, what better place to marry somebody than Mount Olympus, you yeah. know? Yeah. What's interesting to me is that this, like, this demigod is somehow it's like somehow the marriage of heaven and earth gives yeah. him more power in a way it's like zeus didn't have the balls to like bring a mortal, mortal. Yeah, yeah bring exactly. a mortal in yeah and Dionysus, Dionysus is like did. 99% balls he's almost all balls yeah <laughs> that's why the ladies love <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they love the testes <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, that, yeah, so think about the metaphorical side of that. I love seeing the stories literal though, too, because that's super <laughs> fucking fun. They need to make a modern version of this. Like the Coen brothers need to go all in on this. Cause I just like see him when he's, when he's hanging with the satyrs after he has the second bad outing with the, the with the King. And I just like, I, I can hear MGMT, um, electric, uh, electric feel. And he's just mm-hmm. fucking getting drunk, smoking weed with these satyrs. He's like, yeah, wait, I'm a god. I can do whatever I want. Just goes back down and fucks it up. To, like, make a modern version of that, you know, where he goes to, like, Wall Street and just does some crazy shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. So, metaphorically, yeah, metaphorically, it's, like, another message of the divine masculine feminine. Because at some level, it's, like, so, the mourning woman, woman, right? Uh, there's something interesting there about forget we were looking at um symbols of freemasonry mm-hmm. where there's the weeping woman at the tree or the broken column there's the weeping woman at the broken column and so that could be a yeah. metaphor for like the the divine feminine 
right, being lost to a world where we've laid out too much order mm. and become hyper masculine. And so this weeping woman, although she just loses her, her husband, right, she be, she's previously or widowed or whatever, there's a certain desire for a man to rescue a woman from something. It's, mm. it's not the same as the extreme of you need to fix things, and that's yeah. why we're in this relationship. But there's this, it's, it's actually, it's its own form of love, which it's is a protective energy. Yeah. Yeah. And this, and this like wanting to lift them up and water the flower, mm -hmm. which is kind of beautiful. It's not necessary, but when the female needs help, that rescuing is quite beautiful. And I think mm -hmm. it probably connects to Jesus mm -hmm. rescuing the bride on a second coming mm -hmm. and the bride really meaning all the people. Mm -hmm. So at some level, like she's a representative of all the people mm -hmm. that gets to go mm -hmm. to Mount Olympus because of the half God, right? Exactly. Who, who brings them up. Yeah. yeah, because because there's like some divinity that's living out a human experience. It's like this divine being. Yeah. Like in the world. And he's fallen in love with the whole experience of the yeah. human being as opposed to Zeus just loving the booty. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he sees the whole human being and See, he loves her because she's she she's immortal and she has to do with mortal um, trouble because her husband literally dies. Mm -hmm. So he's like he he loves. Um, well, I don't know if her husband died. I think he might have left her. Oh, well, even better then, because I, I was actually like, it's weird that it, the husband dies mm -hmm. because then it doesn't say anything about. The, all the other line, the motif in the story right, no, of the effed up man. Yeah, she was abandoned. Okay, okay, sorry. So that actually yeah, makes more sense yeah. because it's the same line of like a man not shirking his duties, yeah. right? And then he gets to show her a better example mm -hmm. of what a man's supposed yeah, to be, true. right? So it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So not only is he falling in love with the whole human experience, he's falling in love with the mortal trouble of people yeah. and wanting to remedy that and relieve that in them, yeah. right? But he also builds that person up so that they're suited to be in Mount Olympus and brings them in with pride. It's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's like you go to a fancy place, right? And you just fucking wear like, you know, baggy clothes and be like, I don't care what I look like. It's who I am mm -hmm. that matters, right? Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Like that philosopher you're talking about, what's his name? Diogenes? Yeah. Doesn't give a fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. That's a great philosopher. Yeah, no, I like it because he has to live the human experience. He has to wander knowing that he's so other to everyone around him. Like Christ. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. like, that's the thing is Christ has to live. God has to live a physical existence to understand what we're actually going through. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder, like, I'm, I'm thinking about all the women that follow him around in the story. It's like, do they go mad because it's just they're having the Kundalini run through them and they're going through all the stuff that comes up when like the kundalini's rising like they're drinking the wine they're like exploring the dark parts of themselves that they probably wouldn't have otherwise well i think it's even i mean the kundalini might come into play but that's not at the that's not the core of it and at the core of it is they're allowed to be mm -hmm. and so there's all these things they weren't allowed to experience like when they were oppressed by that king and made mm -hmm. to stay in the home there was all these parts of their experience they weren't allowed to ever do so it's like they get super high on it because they've never tried it now now he's like do whatever the fuck you want like mm -hmm. have fun and they're like holy fuck and then when it gets wild and they rip a man into pieces like, okay <laughs> wait wait there is a line though you know so he's still helping and guiding them but he's giving yeah. them the liberation first and allow them to play with their liberation so i think if you compare this to basically a man operating at sigma right like um not 
not to say that I'm necessarily a Sigma, but, but I feel like when I've been operating in the correct space, mm-hmm. when I've dealt with women and even men in a, a, a non-sexual way, it's like you see the, the, the funniest, most vibrant, also most crazy parts of themselves because all of a sudden they're feeling actual life. Mm-hmm. And when you feel actual life, it's visceral. Mm-hmm. It's not just like happy-go-lucky. Oh my God, everything's. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's like, like everything. Yeah, steroids. yeah, it's, it's loud. It's, yeah. it's 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 just as ecstatic as it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, it's basically like you know going sixty miles an hour faster in your car. It's like everything is more real. Everything is more amplified, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. But just as it's getting more beautiful, it's also getting more scary. And when you're, it's just a higher. It's like a higher volume. And mm-hmm. so it's like it's it, it overwhelms the senses, right? Yeah. And, and it, it can even maybe crack the psychology open, where yeah. where you're breaking new ground. But before that, you have to have your basically your psychotic break. Oh, you know yeah. what? So one thing that wine does is it actually just removes like think, inhibitions, right? Yeah, inhibitions. Yeah. Like think like basically. Uh, I think it's your. I could be wrong on this, but I think it's like your prefrontal cortex is like part of it goes offline. Yeah. Right. So the things that you would normally filter through, mm-hmm. like, like where you would hold yourself back yeah, yeah. are being diminished. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what the amplification of the experience is. It's just the releasing or the lowering of the inhibitions. That's why yeah, yeah. wine is his thing. He's like, I'm going to show y'all how to actually let live. loose. Yeah. Like if you were going to live exactly how you wanted to live. Yeah. This is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Including all the dark parts where you rip a man into pieces. Decapitate your own son. Yeah. <laughs> Not checking to see who it is first. <laughs> uh, fuck whoever this person is. Yeah. She looks at him and she's like, <laughs> never, Maybe. Never seen this man in my life. Like son, but, mm. <laughs> never seen this man in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she knows deep down inside. I always hated that motherfucker. Literally, her king son doesn't recognize him. Yeah, that's convenient, right? Some black eyelashes. She's like, this this could be my son, but my son's got light eyelashes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he tries to go talk and she just covers his mouth. Shh, it'll be quick. <laughs> She's like, mm, hair down, eyelashes slightly yeah, yeah. dark. Yeah. No, she just wanted her son gone. Unrecognizable. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even recognize her own son. Yeah. I'm sure there's deep metaphor. So that's where I want to actually focus on now. I wonder if you took this entire story and every little piece, right? Because it seems like every single detail of the story is extremely important mm-hmm. to something of a higher concept, right? Like every time he goes into a mountain, it could be like he goes into his own consciousness into a higher state mm-hmm. to receive new information. Mm-hmm. Like, so I wonder about, I mean, these people were brilliant back then. Mm-hmm. The Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, mm-hmm. they were just absolutely, and the Egyptians probably most of it because they, most of it was, um, uh, stolen, yeah, you know, in the culture. Like almost every god in Greek is actually just an Egyptian one. But yeah. it's like every time they were telling a story back then. If you look at what was going on in reality, every story seemed to be trying to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. So they would they would over and over again narratively solve the sto- solve yeah. the problem fictionally, probably because they were trying to work it out in reality. Yeah. Right. And so um, for me, it's like I, I, I'd imagine that every single detail of the stories actually has a hidden meaning about the pursuit of, of gaining higher consciousness and, and being a higher human being. Yeah. yeah, actually, I'm thinking of this as like the way that our brains work out things 
in symbolism through our, you know, in our dreams. Yeah. It's like, we're like, we're lucid dreaming. Yeah. In reality, we're like consciously, we're like daydreaming. We're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to problem solve in symbolism again, because that's probably, that's the evolution of language. Well, and it's also, yeah, it's the reason we actually made this podcast in the first place, this episode, it's because you were spoken to in symbol. So how fascinating is that? Well, actually, though, I heard it as actual words coming out of my sleep. Oh, really? I heard. Wow. What voice was it at? Let's get get crazy right now. Oh, yeah. Let's tell crazy parts right now. Because the same thing happened to me this morning. So she's not the only one. (laughs) It's not too crazy. Well, yeah, plus the same night you were like, you were like, something's going on in the dream realm. (laughs) That was the weird, one of the weirdest things I've ever said because I was like in a dream. I'm like, oh no, like I, I could feel as if like, it was as if someone just broke into the house, right? But so it's like someone broke into the house of our dreams. Yeah, so I shot up and said that. Had you had already received the words or were you receiving them when you were waking up right then? I don't know. Or was it right afterwards? I'm not sure. It was a weird night, <laughs> yeah. you know? Because yeah, when I said that, I was like, why did I, why did I feel that? Why did I think that? You know, like, what was I sensing? Was it uh, both of us, like, like opening up new doors in our subconscious? Or was there, were we having a, you know, higher dimensional visitor, like, you know, supreme consciousness? Truly wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were just like, because you asked me if I was okay. And I was like, why? Yeah. And you were like, something's happening. And I, was, I don't remember, though, if it was before or after this, but I was given Tetragrammaton first. And Dionysus in the very next, it was like Tetragrammaton and Dionysus. It's like they were not separate. They were, they came together. And it was just those two words that I heard. And I'm trying to think of the voice. So when I get voices out of sleep, they're often like a female voice. This one, I don't remember thinking that it was gendered at all like it didn't sound one way or the yeah, other yeah i know that yeah and it wasn't just feeling. yeah it was i don't know if it was transmitted more as a thought i'm trying to think back well that's the hard part when you start to hear the logos right it's like it, you know it's a voice being spoken to you but it's not actually be it's very very hard it's not a voice in your head yeah. it's not a voice outside in, in your yeah, ear it's not it's in your like, ear. but it's, it's also like not an, a thought either is it like an in-between yeah it's like this fourth state yeah i've had it like, do you know how sometimes you can hear music and you you remember a song you've heard before? You yeah, hear exactly. it like that. Yeah, I've heard it like that before. Okay. But I also just have words come to me sometimes where it's like I just think the word. Yeah. As if it's my own thought, but it's like it was just inserted because, yeah. like I told you, I don't have any like when I heard those words, I was like, "What do those even mean? What yeah, are they?" Yeah, exactly. Like I yeah. had no like preconception That's of what wild. those things were. Yeah. yeah exactly. And Dionysus is a pretty buried story at this point. Yeah. No one really talks about him, although he's directly connected to the Christ story. I'm surprised, but you barely hear about that. Yeah, like I don't remember ever hearing, although I, you know, potentially did at some point. Yeah. But I, I knew that I had heard you talk about the Tetragrammaton. Yeah. However, I had never heard you mention Dionysus because, and even if I had heard you, you were pronouncing it Dionysus, which I wouldn't have made that connection, I don't think. The weirdest part about that is Dionysus is allegedly how you're supposed to say it. Yes. And you also mentioned as you were doing your research that most people say it Dionysus. 
Yes. So you have no reason to think of it as Dionysus. I know, very strange. Yeah, yeah. And you well, look at that Y and you think to say E, right? Yeah, when I was like doing my research and I heard everybody saying Dionysus, I was like, why would this word come to me with the wrong pronunciation? That's the other thing. Like if it came as a thought, I did at least have a notion of the sound of it. Yeah, very fascinating. Mm. So I think that what's going to end up happening here, another thing, folks, about this podcast is this is not just us just you know obviously having a conversation and, and deliver it to you guys for your thoughts but for us we're, we're workshopping several things you know like mm-hmm. we're actually trying to workshop like what it means to be a great person a divine person in the world and to try to set good chaos and order balanced in your own life and then have that sort of almost like reverberations help the rest of the world do that as well and um so we really kind of do this thing where like if we have a strange dream and it feels like it's something we're supposed to be looking into, we're going to look into it. So you guys can be part of that experience as well. But we want Excuse to do, me. yeah. And we want to do another episode on the Tetragrammaton because we both have this feeling as we do these two episodes, the third episode that comes out of it is will actually provide the answer yeah, to whatever the question is that you were given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think? Any last words? <laughs> Final words for for the audience? Fuck it up. Fuck it up like Dionysus. And Fuck shit up. Everywhere you go, <laughs> just think about the whole story. Uh, remember, he's balanced, he's responsible, but live in that energy and just see how things change for you. Break out and dance wherever you go. Tell a joke when it's inappropriate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really wall out. Drink wine in public. Don't do that. <laughs> Stop. Sing in public, though. Dance in public. Drink wine right before you go out in public. <laughs> Lots of it. And then dance. Okay? That's my final thought. Perfect. What about Love you? it. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm just ripping off of you. Okay. <laughs> cool. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to make it awkward at the end a little bit. That's cool. High five? Yeah, I was going to go for the high five. Secret handshake? Do, do we have a secret? Yeah, 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 you throw it up like this, grab the pinky, okay, slide it, one like that, what? one, two, all right. <laughs> you did pretty good for not knowing what was about to happen. All right, thank you. We might cut that out. <laughs> it stays. Okay, cool. <laughs>